and they and they think it's the devils, and the earth is bad. There's nothing wrong with the earth. There's nothing in, in you know wrong with the trees and the plants and 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 all all of these things we see. The the wrong if we want to find something wrong, we find a man, the nature of man, the beast of the world. We find it right in man, and so and somehow in the church uh, uh, we we may have released the wrong thing into the earth because because what you have. You know, Jesus told them, what you shall bind shall be bound, and what you shall release shall be released. And sometimes what we have released may be anything but the truth. So we may have released anything into the earth but the truth. And so so if we're not walking in truth, see, the earth's the Lord. Jesus raised from this, and all power is given to me, we're at. In heaven and earth, and I and I said this uh, maybe here, uh, but I believe it's Sister Peggy's. Uh, one of the concerts uh, we went to recently, one of the singers was singing. He was talking about Jesus having all authority in the heavens or all all power in the heavens, and I wanted to I wanted I wanted to grab the mic from him and say, brother, he has all power in heaven and earth. So, so just just saying he has the power in heaven. See, but but the prayer uh, as we deal with the kingdom is, Thy kingdom come, Thy will be done in earth or on earth, even as it is in heaven. And how it's done is in you. Amen. So, so the kingdom comes in you. And, it, and if I don't submit to the king of the kingdom, if I want to have my own will and my own way... See, see, see I, I said this back when we started this. A kingdom, a kingship, it, it, it is not is sovereign. So, so it's without debate. So, so when you come into a kingdom, you're not in a democracy, you don't vote it in. You don't have it your way. We submit to the way of the king. That, that's really what God wants to bring us to is submission to him. And through that submission, I'm telling you, he's going to work. He's going to tear down strongholds. He's going to restore areas. He's going to cause the, the waters to be released and move in homes and move in minds and, and clear up things. But, you, but, but the key is submission. It's it's uh, Brother Stanley and I were talking this week, and we were talking about it's easier uh, for a camel to pass through the eye of the needle than a rich man to enter in heaven. And in and, and our culture, when we read that, you know, when I read that as a, as a young man, and even as a, as an older man, a lot of times I would look at a actual physical needle, mm-hmm. like someone sews with. But from my understanding, that's not what that's talking about. There was an actual place called the eye of the needle, that, that the camel had to lower himself and basically crawl through, submit, and, and lower, you, you know, humility. So it's speaking of humility. And so you can be rich in wealth and you can be rich in yourself. It maybe has nothing to do at times with money whatsoever. It may just have to be the richness of yourself, what you're finding yourself to be. 
And, and what the key may be is simply lowering yourself. See, Jesus, one powerful Scripture says, let this mind be in you which was in Christ Jesus. And what did He do? He being in the form of God thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but He made Himself of what? No reputation. So all the reputation He had. Think about it. You think about somebody emptying something. We think about, we, we have to bow down. He lowered Himself, made of no reputation, took up on Him the form of a servant, made out in the likeness of a man to die the death of the cross. Because He couldn't die the death of the cross in the likeness of God. said He was in the form of God or the likeness of God, but He made Himself, lowered Himself into humanity to die the death of the cross, to, to release the captives. Glory to God. That's what He did. And it was from lowering Himself. So he lowered. So, so when we look at, at, at our, at, you know, at, at the self nature, the humility of the Lord, we begin to look at the Lord, and we, and, and our first step in, in accepting the Lord is we, we receive Him. We lower ourselves to receive Him, because, because there's a, there's a blockage in us that's in our heart, and I can remember this in my, in my youth when the Holy, Holy Spirit would deal with me. In my youth, I would remember blocking the Lord. That that you know, I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna live my life. I'm gonna do it my way. I'm gonna be like uh, a Burger King, and you can have it your way. I'm gonna have it my way, right? So 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 my heart was blocking God. The only thing stopping God was me. Nothing else was. It was me. And and so 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 I submit to Him. I receive Him. And, and if you continue with the Lord, that's the same thing. The, the only thing stopping God is you. See, God could overtake you. He could overpower you. He could just throw you down under the power of His, of His might and dominion. But it's not the way He operates. It's not the operation of, of, of the Spirit. The Spirit is, is looking for a willingness of the heart. He seeketh those that will worship Him. That and worship again deals with prostrate, laying prostrate. Or how do you say it? Uh, not prostrate. Prostrate. Prostrate is, is laying prostrate. I'm believing it. So, so you 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 uh, you cross me. You you, you uh, Lord Jesus. You, you you got my mind in the wrong place here. But the but the. Is, is coming before the Lord to, to lower thyself. He seeketh those that will worship. Have you ever heard that? And worship is out of the heart. It's not a formality. It's not, it's not a building you go to or, or the formal thing you do. And that's what a lot of men have made it, is a formal thing that they go to. And that's why worship, you, you know, you, you see a... Uh, a measure of it in King David when he danced before the Lord and his his wife uh, uh, is like, hey David, you're the king, man. What are you doing? You should be like the king. And, and instead you're out here, you know, jumping, dancing, doing whatever. 
But but he was a fool for God. If 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 we could if we could say that he was crazy about the Lord. So there so there was a heart that that David. Brother and I were talking about this as well. You go back and you read the Old Testament. You say, well, th- well, they're not where we are in, 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 back there, and that's true. But at the same time, the Spirit of God moved upon them. So, so evidently, they were having an encounter with the Spirit of God. Amen. Now, it wasn't in the same measure because the finished work hadn't been done in the earth. So your encounter's at after the finished work. Amen. But, but nonetheless, David and Elisha and Elijah and these prophets of God had a working of God going on with them. You know, they weren't, they weren't just doing things. There was an encountering of the Lord. And if, and if you don't have an encountering of the Lord, man, you're missing it. Salvation is encountering God. That's what, that's what it is. It's an encounter. So if I'm not encountering God, I'll be honest with you, I'm missing the thing. Because that's, that's you, you know, that's what it is. That's what we come to is an all-out encounter with the Lord. And it starts with the born again experience. Yes. And and what you, you know, I'm I'm off my line, and I'll try to get into my my lesson. And we'll see. I'm off it right now, but we'll just see. In Israel appeared three times before the Lord, and a lot of Christians are are trying to figure out. Especially people in deeper life. A lot of people in deeper life teaching have been filled with the Spirit speaking in tongues. Most most of them act. But then somewhere they came down the road and they say, well, you got it all when you got saved. I'm not saying you didn't get God. But I'll, but I'll go back to the, to the feast, which were types and shadows of the Lord. Yeah. And there were three encounters with the Lord. There was the feast of Passover. And so they had, an, it was an account, speaking of an encounter with the Lord and Passover, and that's what we do. He, we come to Him as our Passover lamb. And, and right out there, and when they built the tabernacle, they built it in that order. And so, so after Passover lamb, they passed through the Red Sea. And here you have in the tabernacle, you have a, a, a washing basin. So, and all this is outside. You know, all these are encounters with the Lord. And, and they're, they're kind of in an outside realm. And then you come into a, a deeper realm, if you could say. They move into the house. And you have you, you begin to have the showbread and so forth. And in the same way, children of Israel, as they moved on and they come to Mount Sinai, the Lord comes down on the mountain. And, and, I, and I honestly believe that, feels, that speaks of the feeling of the Holy Ghost, the cloud coming down on the mountain. So, so here, here you have a feast of Pentecost. And, and, and that Feast of Pentecost was another encounter with the Lord. Another time of the year that they came before the Lord. But see, that doesn't stop there. So some people come to these measurements of God. And then there's a third measurement, a third day. And the Lord said, I believe it's in Exodus, Exodus or Deuteronomy. Uh, Deuteronomy. He said, I, on the third day, make your garments sure, for I will come down in the sight of you. Yes. So the third day, the, the harvest time, the uh, Feast of Tabernacles, speaks of a seeing and knowing. And it's not as plain, as, even in your Bible, as you get into the New Covenant. You, you know, it's, it's pretty plain that Jesus is the Passover Lamb, isn't it? Amen. 
He, this is the blood of the covenant shed for you. I'm the Passover here. I'm it. And then when the day of Pentecost was fully come, so all the other Pentecost wasn't the fullness of it, but when all the other Pentecost had come to their fullness, God poured out His Spirit to bring forth the first fruits unto the Lord. But even in that, there was, there was that third feast of tabernacles. And in the midst of that third feast, if you study out, we'll have to get into these at some point. There's the blowing of the trumpets. There's the Day of Atonement. And there's harvest time. Amen. Fullness. And all, all that's laying out a type and shadow of the Lord. And an encounter with the people. All of it is. And, and, and we, can, we can kid ourselves with doctrines. We, we can say, well, I, I, I was taught. I don't care how I was taught. <laughs> see, see I, I didn't say, I don't care how you were taught. I don't care how I was taught. I already let, said, God, just blow up everything in me that's not you. I don't care. Yeah. That, that's really the heart I come to is, is if I don't know it right, and I'm even like that today, if I don't know it right, Lord, I give you permission. Teach me. Guide me, cause me to learn, cause me to know. Make my my eyes to see. See, because because most of us were taught some good things, folks. Most 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 churches are teaching good things of the Lord, but it doesn't mean everything. Doesn't mean everything I'm teaching is just right, right? It doesn't mean that. That's where we have to be willing to allow God to to get into our nitty gritty. Come on, get in here. Have at it, Lord. You know what's in my mind. You know what's in my thoughts. You know, you know my heart. Now, now take what you take what is truth and work it into me. Yes. Let there be an a, internal working of you. Oh, but see that that it, that requires submission. It's what it requires. It it doesn't require you to. Uh, do all these works of the flesh, but it does require a submission of your heart. And sometimes we, 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 we talk about submission. What does that mean, submit? i got to submit some time. i got to give up some of my... If, I, if I'm coming before the Lord, I'm submitting some of my time. I'm giving up some of my personal life. You know, sometimes when we read these Scriptures, lose your life or you shall not find life. And, and we and we kind of make them these real hard things that I've got. I got to lose my life, and so they get this real hard thing. We get this real hard image in our mind. But sometimes losing my life is just as simple as I'm going to turn the TV set off for an hour, yeah. and I'm going to sit before you, Lord. I'm going to open this big book or my computer or phone or whatever device I use to read the Word of God, and I'm going to get into the Word of God. And allow you to deal with my heart. Allow you to 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 uh, form and say what you want to say. See that that's losing my life because my life would. And and I'll tell you sometimes in my life, and I don't have to preach on everybody else. I just preach on Wayne. Sometimes my life loves the the, the chair and the remote control, yeah. and to kick back and lift and prop my feet up because because I come home sometimes and I'm bone tired and I and I catch myself and I do it. 
I flip on a cop show, and next thing I know, I watch two or three or an action show or what have you. I've got my phone out, and I'm looking at the news. I'm looking at this. I'm doing that. She said, that's my life. That's what that is. That's my life. So if I lose my life, I, I need to lose some of that to the Lord. That I find life. And when I lose that, I begin to find life because when I, what I find is Him. When I lose that, I begin to find Him. He says, I'm life, right? So when I lose my life, what, what happens? It's, a, it's simple. I lose my life. I, 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 you lady folks, I tell you what, a lot of men folks probably like me. They, they like that flipper, the garage, the tools, whatever. You lady folks, and they like to run out to the mall or, or whatever. And I'm, I'm picking saying this, but, but just picking. But see, see that's, that's our lives. Our, it, it, looking at losing our life doesn't have to be this complicated thing that we've made it. It's, it's simple things. It's, our, it's our, what we do with our time. Because our life is made up with time. And Paul says, and, and maybe, like I said, maybe I'll get my lesson, maybe I won't. Paul says, redeeming the time for the days are evil. So how do I redeem the time to the Lord? Because if I redeem the time away from the day, I come away from the evil into the light, Right? But if I spend too much time there, what do I uncover? It's just simple stuff. And God wants to get into our simple stuff. And I talk about this sometimes maybe too often, and we're going to turn to the book of Psalms too. Uh, in my early days with the Lord, and I've said this, and forgive me if you, if, you, if you think, Brother Wayne, I've heard this 500 times. Forgive me, forgive me, and forgive me, okay? In, in my early days with the Lord as a, as a young man, the, you know, I didn't have any deep revelation at all. I just knew I'd been born again, and I, and I believed most of what I was taught. By where I was going. And I just loved God. Pretty simple. And so in loving God, I just would still away with Him. Close the door. Shut the door. Shut everything else out. Try to anyway. And just come before the Lord. Only way I knew how at the time. And God would move in me, and I'd have an encounter. And, and it was that simple. Oh, yeah. There was nothing, nothing. It was just simple that, that, that I turned my heart. It's just that it's really that simple. It's not a difficult task. And really, when you look at King David and you look at his life, he, he was a kid out. Guarding the sheep, but he'd had an encounter with what, a bear and a lion? And he'd had an encounter with the Lord. So so you had a kid that had more encounters than most grown men there in King David, even in his childhood. And he and he and he was evidently spending some time knowing the Lord. 
after the Lord. Everything you say bad about David, you look at him, you know, as a man after God. Yeah, he, he walked into some things of his flesh, and probably most men do. And when I say men, I have men and women. Not just talking about men, I'm talking about mankind. But the beauty of, of, of what we have in Christ is we have a king that has conquered our sins and our sin nature. He already, he already conquered them. I, 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 I said this to uh, someone. If, if he's not king right now, see a lot of people talk about Jesus being the soon coming king. The problem with that message is then you're in trouble. Then something else has dominion. Then you're you're giving place to something else to have dominion. But he raised from dead and said, All power, all dominion, all authority is mine. So if he's not king right now, you're submitting really in your heart, whether you, you know it or not, that, that there is something else here with dominion. And I'm here to tell you there's not. And we are to know His dominion. So, so in Psalms 2, and we looked at this before, and we may read it for the next ten times I minister. I don't know. Yet I have set my king, I love that, my king, upon my holy hill of Zion. So my king and my hill. So, so is it important to understand His king and His hill? And I will tell of the decree. Jehovah said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I will give thee the nations for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron, thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Now therefore be wise, O ye kings, be instructed, ye judges of the earth, serve Jehovah, or the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. So here's wisdom, the fear of the Lord. That's what he says in Proverbs. And the, the, the beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord. And here it is right here in Psalms. Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest He be angry and you perish in the way, for His wrath will soon be kindled. And, and I said this, that that this naturally does speak of King David. Because God set David as king in Israel. So this naturally speaks of David, but but spiritually it's speaking of Christ. And it's not just speaking of Christ as as the born of the babe in the manger. It's speaking of him in terms of the resurrection. And flip over to Acts 13. And, and, and follow this with, with Acts 13, and, and then you just have to ask the Lord to show you. And start at verse 32. Acts 13, 32, and you could actually go back and read further back where God, where, where, where here's being declared how God had brought Israel out of Egypt with his own arm, with his own power. And, and he says here in verse 32, And we bring you good tidings of the promise made unto the fathers. So there's a promise made unto the fathers. What fathers? Now here's how the Lord will deal with me. I'll read something like that. And the Lord will then jump up in my spirit and say, What fathers? 
is just talking about. And, and all the ones, I'll, it, many times I'll, I'll go, oh, I don't know, do I? And then that'll give place to the Lord to teach me. Is, is the fathers are speaking of the fathers of Israel. Yeah. So it's unto the fathers. So he made a promise unto the fathers that God hath fulfilled. And so the promise he made unto the fathers has now been fulfilled. The same unto our children, in that he raised up Jesus. So here, here's the promise, that he would raise up Jesus as it is also written in the second psalm. Now, is that plain in the second psalm? Does the second psalm plainly tell you this is speaking of the resurrection of Jesus Christ? Amen. Does it? Does it? We just read it. We read part of it anyway. But look what he references. He goes right back to what we just read in the second psalm. And he says, as is written in the second psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Now what's he speaking of? He's speaking of raising up Jesus from the dead. So so now now him being begotten, and and I have to do a whole lot more studying in the scripture to really pull this out, He's the first begotten from the dead. Amen. See, see, Lazarus was raised from the dead, but he wasn't begotten from the dead. Mm-hmm. What I mean? Yeah. Lazarus raised up in a natural body, in a natural form, but he's still in the dead. Because uh-huh. right. death had passed upon all men, and therefore all mankind was what? If you study your Bible, all mankind was dead. But Jesus is raised out from the dead. The word a lot of times that's dealing with him being raised up from the dead actually means out from among. So he's not among it. And and, and this is powerful when, when we get into the relationship it has with you and I because, because as he raised from the dead, likewise, Paul writes, reckon yourselves... Uh, also alive from the dead, uh, you know, raised with him. So, so he raised out from the dead. Amen. So, so your 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 new birth is out from the dead. See, see, see. The power of this is is when Jesus was quickened in the tomb. He wasn't quickened by man. His own mortality couldn't quicken him. His own strength didn't do it because he submitted himself to man, he being God, made himself Lord. Did that stop God from being God? No. That's hard to understand. But we'll leave that alone for right now. But he, he, he and humanity raised out, quickened, Completely outside of man. And see, when you were born again, that was completely outside of man. Your new birth, man had zero to do with your new birth. Zero. Born again by the Spirit of God. So in your new birth, you started in the Spirit of God. 
So it started in the Spirit of God. You're born of the Spirit. So man had nothing to do with that. Did he? He can birth you in the Spirit. That's what Nicodemus, Nicodemus said, can I enter the second time into my mother's womb and be born? Because in Nicodemus' mind, the only birth he could have was what he could see. And that's what, what we do is we're bound up with what we can physically see. But our new birth is, is really wrapped up in Jesus. Because He's the first one begotten from the dead. He's the first begotten of the dead. And therefore, when you're begotten of the dead, what's happening to you is what happened to Him. Because you're begotten together with Him. That's something to comprehend. I mean, I mean, we just spend weeks just on that alone. That that it get in you, not just in my head, but it get it get a hold of you. It already did if you've been born again. It's just just understanding what took place. So I, I'm birthed with him. And Apostle Paul writes in Ephesians two that I'm not just birthed with him. I'm raised with him. And I'm seated with Him. Now, where's He seated at? He's seated at the right hand of God. Paul says, I'm seated together with Him in the heavenly places. And the word places isn't actually in the Bible. In the heavens. In the heaven. Seated with Him in the heavens in Christ Jesus. So, I'm seated with Him. So that's and that's speaking of the authority he has over death and hell. He has authority over it. So so hell has no authority over him. Death has no authority over him. And you're seated with him. You're in him. So how can it have authority over you? See, that's the glory of this mystery: is it has no authority over you. Death has zero authority over your life. Now, if we ever get a hold of that, we'll jump up and down. We'll, we'll really, we'll get us a Pentecostal dance going again. Because we'll realize that He is my life. And if He is my life, oh death, where He is, your sting. And we can say that to old death because I'm not going to go the way of, uh, that men did before the cross. I'm in the Lord. If I physically die, I'm still in the Lord. See, a man before the cross, uh, you know, and I'm studying this out, and I want to be careful what I say, but that word hell in your Bible is, in the Old Testament, is primarily a word called sheol, S-H-E-O-L. Look it up. And it's the realm of the unseen. Okay? The dead. And the dead, you know, there's a lot of scriptures. I got a lot of scriptures this morning, and I can't get into them now because I'm already 30 minutes in here. And if I did, would be, would be a while. <laughs> but just to throw it out there, Jesus, and we're gonna we're gonna look at look at him just just a tad bit more of what the consequence what he did. He had spoken on this while back in in. Uh, Acts 13, 34, And as concerning that He raised Him from the dead, now no more to return to corruption. So He's not going to return to corruption. So His physical body raised from the dead. And saw no corruption. He has spoken on this wise, I will give you the holy and sure blessings of David. Now what are the holy and sure blessings of David? Now, 
We'll, have, we'll see if we get that far today. But, but put that down in your mind because you read that, right? What is it? I read it, but I know what it is. I should, right? But, but do I? See, he saith, because he saith, and he gives you a key right here, because he saith also in another psalm, thou will not give thy Holy One to see corruption. So, so this is dealing with the sure mercy of David. For David, after he had in his own generation served the counsel of God, fell asleep and was laid unto his fathers and saw corruption. So his body, David's body, saw corruption. He saw corruption. But he whom God raised up saw no corruption. Be it known unto you therefore, brethren, that through this man is proclaimed unto you the remission of sins. There's no sin against you anymore. He remitted your sins. So no matter how bad you were or how bad you think you are, He got them all laid on Him. And by His stripes, you were healed. So through this man is proclaimed the remission of sins, and by Him everyone that believe it is justified from all things. How many things? He didn't leave anything out there, did he? He says justified from all things from which you could not be justified by the law of Moses. So you're justified by all things through his death, burial, and resurrection by him. So that's why you have to fully submit unto him because you can't be justified by your own works. And see, this, this, this is one of the biggest struggles in, I think, maybe in the whole Christian church is, is you get saved and then people want to teach you your own works. Yeah. How to be good enough for Jesus. Yeah. Let me get right with God. You already right with God. If you receive Him, you're as right with God probably as you can get. Now you know more of Him that you've received. You can have a greater encounter with Him. Sure. So I won't take anything away. So there could be more clarity in your mind, a clearer understanding, a, a greater reality, but you're right with God through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. I tell you right with God. Because those that believe Him, believe, are justified from all things. So as I come in to relationship with Him. You say, well, well, Brother Wayne, then what do I do? I get in relationship because as I get in relationship with Him, that begins to transform my mind and my nature. And that's what we're trying to say. A lot of times we're trying to say, how do, how do I live right? i got to get rid of this filthy nature. Okay? As I get born again, and lo and behold, I, I thought this old man was gone. Right? And next thing I know, he's he's one living in this house. Ain't he? So my mind has to get changed. So there has to be a transformation of the mind. The soul. So there has to be a transformation. Now, did I just say sure I did? But I'm still struggling with an old man that had been crucified, and I just crucified him buried. 
I even think that old man's still here, it's going to affect me. He's in God's mind. He's gone. Eve totally released you and said, "You're a new creature, created of God in Christ Jesus." Do you wake up every morning and say, "Thank God, I'm a new creature, created of God in Christ Jesus"? Probably not. Do you even thank God for that? Most time, I thank God that I got beans and potatoes and soup and this, that, and the other. But do I thank God that I'm a new creature, created of God in Christ Jesus? That you're talking about a blessing. It, that doesn't compare. Soup and beans and all these wonderful things the Lord provides to us does not compare to a new creation created of God in Christ Jesus. But a lot of my prayer life early on was 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 thanking God for natural things, and I'm not against that because He provides wonderful natural things. Oh, yeah. But He says, "Seek the kingdom of God, and these things." will be added to you. See, that's His Word. He said that if I seek the kingdom, He's going to add clothes and homes and things I have need of. Yeah. What He said, if I seek the throne and the authority of the throne, He's going to take care of these things. Amen. Glory to the Lamb of God. So my seeking is the kingdom. Yeah. And if I'm seeking the kingdom, I have to come to the King. Because if I don't see a king, how can I even have a kingdom? <laughs> so, so God is challenging, challenging my heart, just so you know. Kingdom what? Now again, this is how God talks to me. He'll just lay it kind of out here. Okay, you, you're kind of, yeah, yeah, Wayne, you're going on about the kingdom. But tell me what he's king of. And I go, uh-oh. He's king of this and king of that. Well, let's consider that he rose from the dead. Okay? Let's consider, flip over to Acts 2. And I've got, we've been 38 minutes, so you're going to have to give me probably an hour today. I may ask for five minutes more. When we get there, we'll see. Acts 2, verse 22, says, Ye men of Israel... Hear these words, Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God, unto you by mighty works and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, even as you know. said, you tell him you know that. Him being delivered up by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God. So, so this is God's counsel to deliver him up. This was God's mind to deliver him up, and it was his not foreknowledge. You, by the hands of all us man, did crucify and slain. So God put him in the hands of lawless men. Whom God raised up. Who raised up? God raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holding of it. For David said concerning him, I beheld the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore my heart was glad and my tongue rejoiced. Moreover, my flesh shall also dwell in hope, because thou wilt not leave my soul unto Hades. The King James says hell, but the actual word is Hades, and it goes right along with Sheol, uh, of the, un- the realm of the unseen. Thou wilt not leave my soul in Hades or in hell. So evidently Jesus went into hell. Any way you want to slice it. Because that's what he says here. And this is coming out of Psalms. And people people have a problem with this. But 
I don't know how to slice it, but to slice it. Thou wilt not leave my soul in hell. So he had to have went into the realm of the unseen in order for this to be fulfilled. If he didn't go in there, that ain't fulfilled, is it? Would it be fulfilled if he didn't go into hell? No. So he went into hell, and he said, Neither will you, will you give your Holy One to see corruption. That's speaking of his flesh. He's dealing with his soul and his flesh. Thou shalt make... Thou madest known unto me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of gladness with thy countenance. See, there he's speaking of his glorification. But anyway, brother, I say, I may say freely of the patriarch David that he both died and was buried, and his tomb is with us unto this day, being therefore a prophet, knowing God had sworn with an, with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins he would set one upon his throne, he foreseeing this spake of the resurrection of Christ. So it tells you what he's speaking of. That neither was he left in hell. So if he didn't go into hell, why does it say he was not left there? So he went into hell, went into Hades, went into the realm of unseen. Whatever your interpretation of that is, he went into it. Nor did his flesh see corruption this Jesus did God, so His victory... When we sing that song, if we ever sing that song, Victory in Jesus again, my Savior forever, it should take on a new meaning because He has victory over hell. Yes. He defeated the realm of the unseen. He defeated the place that, that people went into after they died. Because He went into it and it couldn't hold it. Had no authority over it. He disrobed this power. He disrobed the power of death. He broke it in sunder. Because He raised from the dead. This Jesus did God raise up, whereof we are all witnesses. Therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted and have received of the Father the promise of the Spirit. He hath poured forth this which you see in here, my God. And this is a direct reference if you go back to Psalm 16. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He says, Psalm 16, 7. I will bless Jehovah, or bless the Lord, who hath given me counsel. Yea, my heart instructed me in the night seasons. I have set Jehovah always before me because He is at my right hand. What did Jesus say? The Father that sent me is with me. He's my power. My, the right hand is dealing with power. He's by my right hand. The power and authority that is in me is God that is with me. I don't know how many times Jesus told them that. I shall not be moved. So he wasn't moved by what man said to him never once. Was he moved away? I have come to do the will of my Father. I will not be moved. Glory to God. Therefore my heart is glad and my glory rejoices. My flesh also shall dwell in safety, for thou wilt not leave my soul to Sheol, this translation says, or hell. Neither will thou suffer thy Holy One to see corruption. Thou wilt show me the path of life. See, here's the glory. 
Here's the glory that was set before Him. In Thy presence is fullness of joy. In Thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. And where does it say? He's seated in the right hand of God. One of the best teachings I ever heard on the right hand of God was done by Brother Stanley. There's a, he's got a booklet here, and, there's, and he's probably got it on CD, and I highly recommend you to get it. Highly. Because it's a powerful teaching. Because if God's a spirit, and the Bible says He is, Jesus said He is, he, he, it doesn't mean if His right hand, like we think our right hand is a physical right hand, if God's a spirit, then right hand is speaking more than Jesus sitting on His right side. Right hand in your Bible is dealing with authority and power. He's seated in the authority and power of God, so the dominion of Christ is in the realm of the Spirit. If I can say it that way. So all that He conquered, death, hell, and the grave, is now carried up when He ascends on high, when He ascends back into the Father, He now carried that into the realm of Spirit. That's exactly what he did. If I be lifted up from everybody, draw all men unto me, he drew all mankind to himself. Every man that was, it's like, it's like a scripture says, no man can come to God except he draw him. I got news for you, I already did that. So now every man has access to God. Whosoever will, let him come and drink of the water of life freely and the, and the, Spirit and the bride say, come. Glory to God. So don't think everybody doesn't have access. Every man has been given access because he drew all mankind in his flesh at the cross. He already drew every man. And he brought every man into death. Now, it doesn't say he brought every man into life, but he brought every man into his death. Yes. And now... Therefore, because now every man answers to Him, they don't answer to the law of Moses anymore. They answer to Him. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son hath not life. Glory to God. It's that simple. That's the, that's judgment. See, we, we, we talk about judgment, and we don't realize that, that John gives us a clue. He that hath the Son hath life. That's a judgment. And he that hath not the Son has not life. If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Him. Hallelujah to the Lamb of God. But thanks be to God that you all have the Spirit of Christ. Glory. So, so here, here in Revelation chapter 1, I got off track. Do that And John saw him. And when John saw him here in Revelation 1, I don't think he saw the man of Galilee here. <laughs> he had eyes as a flame of fire, hair as white as wool, as white as wool. Just go back there and read the story. And in his right hand, I, I, I kid around some time ago, in his right hand was the 
uh, what the churches, the stars, the angels and churches. And I said, man, he's got to have a big right hand. You know, if, it, if, if John saw him that way, but just a thought. But he, John, and when I saw him, John said, verse 17, I fell at his feet as one dead. So when I saw him, I fell as one dead. I see his death, that when he died, I died. When I saw him, I see my death. I fell as one dead, and he laid his right hand upon me. And I believe that's speaking of the Spirit of God, but we'll leave that be. Say, fear not, I am the first and the last. <laughs> if he's the first, now you can go two ways with that thought. You can say that's the first that ever created anything, and I think that's what he said from one place. He said, before Abraham was, I, I am. But you can also go with this as I'm the first begotten of the dead. I'm the first and the last and the living one. And I was dead. Oh, yeah. And behold, now John, get a, Brother John, you've got to get this. Behold, I am alive forevermore and I have. What does he have? Keys. The keys. Everybody say this. He has the keys, keys. of death and Hades, or hell. Who has the keys? Does the devil have the keys? No. 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 He does. Say, devil, you ain't got the key no more. May have never had it either. But nonetheless, you don't have it no more. He says, he has the keys of death and hell. Write therefore the things which thou sawest, and the things which are, and the things which shall come to pass hereafter. The mystery of the seven stars which thou sawest in my right hand, <laughs> and the seven golden candlesticks, these seven stars are the angels of the seven churches. Again, if this is a literal, physical seeing here, he's got a big right hand because he's got seven angels in his right hand. Now get a hold of that and set it before the Lord in your own heart. And the seven candlesticks are seven churches. And then he goes through the seven churches of Asia. But, but here he sees him, and what I want to see, he says, I have the keys of death and hell. And Jesus told him, in his, in, in, you know, when, when, that, when it was proclaimed, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God, what did he say? Upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So what's not going to prevail against this church? Hell. It's not going to prevail because he already robbed it. He already overcome it. He already raised from it. He already went into it and took its authority and power. What he did, he just robed it. Now there's way more in this than I understand. I'm just being truthful. There's way more than I understand, but that's where the Lord, some of the places the Lord has me right now. That realm of the unseen, Jesus went into it and raised out of it and defeated it. Whatever you may think hell is, He defeated it. He absolutely defeated His power. And if you're His, 
It has absolutely no authority over you. None. Zero. Neither does death. You should say, well, Brother Wayne, we're going to die. Our bodies will. Okay? You're not. And that's what Jesus said. He said, He that believeth on Me, believest thou this. See, see, notice how many times if you go back there, Jesus told people to believe. Believest thou this, He that believeth on Me shall never die. Believest thou this? Just like Nicodemus. Nicodemus, when told Nicodemus got to be born again, Nicodemus went right to the natural man, didn't he? And we just say, can I enter the second time into my mother's womb? Now what do we do when we read that with Jesus? He that believeth on me shall never die, believe us out We go right back to the natural man and we start saying, when someday this is going to happen. And I got news for you, when he got inside of you, this same Jesus that, that walked the shores of Galilee is the same Jesus that got inside of you. You realize that? Ain't a different Jesus. <laughs> same one. Same one that raised from the dead got inside of you. In your heart, it's not a little, a smaller Jesus that got in you. Maybe it's a greater one. Hallelujah. Glory to God. That's the same one that ascended up on high. See, see a thought, Brother Stanley, going hit me. Now he won't really, but he might want to throw something at me. But he got my motor running, so to speak, in, in service. That I, I almost wanted to just cast out what I was going to minister, Waverly, and jump on that. <laughs> but just this part, they saw him ascend up or taken up out of their sight, right? Yeah. Everybody, including myself, thinks that man. He went way up under. And a cloud of God. Just a thought to search out. He was lowered into humanity. So if he's lowered down in humanity and he ascends up, could we possibly believe that ascension may be spirit? He's lowered. That's what the Bible said. That he was made in the form of a man made in the likeness of man, I quoted that earlier, Philippians 2, that he being in the form of God, what is God's form? God is a spirit. So he's in the form of God, made himself with no reputation, took upon him the form of servant, because he was lowered that. Lowered himself. Nobody else lowered him. He lowered himself. So he took upon him in a lower form, which was you and I. Yeah. So he ascended back. And that's what he told him one place. What if you see me ascend up to where I was before? So he be, and I think he gives us clues when he took them to the Mount of Transfiguration, and they and they had the vision they had. It says they saw no man save Jesus only with themselves. They had an idea because of what he had done. So, so maybe his ascension or his taking up was taking up into another form. You ever thought about that? Instead of taking up into the, in the sky, 
Because the cloud in your in your Bible, the cloud dealt with the very presence of God. Yes, sir. If you go into your Bible and you read your Bible, and notice what I'm telling you to read, your Bible, God was a cloud and a fire to Israel. Yes, sir. So that cloud that Jesus went into. And on the Mount of Transfiguration, lo and behold, what's on the Mount of Transfiguration? A cloud covered the mount. So could we possibly consider that the cloud he went into was the cloud of the Lord? And and it may even have a greater understanding with that because in, in Hebrews it says, you're now compassed about with the great cloud of witnesses. So those that have died, and speaking of the of the patriarchs of old, have you have you ever realized that that great cloud of witnesses is speaking with those men of faith in Hebrews eleven that died before the cross? Right. So so where do you go when you die? Everybody wants to know where I go when I die. Well, you already died at the cross, and you went to him. Both brother Lang. Where do I go when I physically die? It's called a great cloud of witnesses. Glory to God. That's scriptural. Now, you may not like scriptural. Because <laughs> scriptural will step on your toes. Step on mine, step on yours, and I ask you to just get before the Lord. Because whenever I deal with these things, and Lord knows... I almost, I'm done, I'm going to turn it off. When God began to deal with me 